It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 374 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Season 27. It is August 26, 2022, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off with a little bit of news about Activision Blizzard and... I'll just start from the beginning here. This episode might be a little bit shorter than typical because I've been super busy this month. So we'll just see how this goes. So this is an article from Games Industry Biz written by Jeffrey Rousseau. It's titled Communications Workers of America Files New Labor Practice Charge Against Activision Blizzard. This was published on August 19. And I think the last show probably went up before then. It went up a couple days after that, so I think I missed this one. Um, So this is what was written. The Communication Workers of America, CWA, has accused Activision Blizzard of illegally surveilling employees while protesting and cutting off chat channels as staff discuss labor issues. As reported by Fortune, the filing says that the firm also threatened to remove employee access to other internal message channels where pay and working conditions were discussed. Discussing pay and going to protests without being surveilled is legally protected under the National Labor Relations Act the NLRA. Fortune spoke with an Activision Blizzard representative in response to the latest allegations. They said in part that, quote, the CWA continues to create an inaccurate picture of Activision Blizzard that willfully ignores the facts. The CWA's efforts are preventing the company from protecting our employees from disrespectful or disparaging remarks. This is union busting. When you intentionally and actively prevent your employees from talking about things that they're legally allowed to discuss with their co-workers, that's union busting. That's what that is. If you cut off the people who are talking about these things from like the channels where they can talk to the other employees, you know, during the workday, that's union busting. So every claim or response from an Activision Blizzard representative who is never named ever. I don't know if that's one human doing all of this or if they trade and take turns being awful, but um, basically all of this, oh, it's it's disparaging, it's disrespectful. No, union busting is disparaging and disrespectful, so whatever. I have no idea who wrote whatever that person sent to games industry biz. Uh, we do know that Bobby Kotek has a history of writing things and sending it under someone else's name. So whatever. Um, yeah, so there's that. That's going on still. And then we're going to move on to Xbox here because there's quite a few articles about Xbox right now uh, in the last like week or so. And so IGN has an article called Xbox Boss Phil Spencer, quote, feels good, end quote, about Activision Blizzard acquisition 
progress. But when will the deal go through? Written by Ryan Leston. How close is Xbox to acquiring Activision Blizzard? At the moment, we have no idea. But Xbox boss Phil Spencer is feeling good about how far they've come in the process. During an interview with Bloomberg, the Microsoft CEO of gaming gave an update of sorts on the upcoming deal, which see Microsoft own the beleaguered game, games company. Quote, I feel good about the progress that we've been making, but I go into the process supportive of people who maybe aren't as close to the gaming industry asking good, hard questions about what is our intent? What does this mean? He said, if you play it out over five years, is this constricting a market? Is it growing a market? Of course, the deal has been under widespread scrutiny since Microsoft announced it would purchase Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion back in January. The deal has already been investigated for potential insider trading, and the UK has since begun probing the acquisition to ensure the deal is good for consumers. Quote, I've never done a $70 billion deal, so I don't know what my confidence means, added Spencer. There's a statement. He continues with, I will say the discussions we've been having seem positive. If the deal does go through, it will see Microsoft own one of the biggest gaming studios in the world. But don't worry, the company assures consumers that console exclusives are, quote, something we're just going to see less and less of. Quote, maybe you happen in your household to buy an Xbox and I buy a PlayStation and our kids want to play together and they can't because we bought the wrong piece of plastic to plug into our television, he said. We really love to be able to bring more players in, reducing friction, making people feel safe, secure when they're playing, allowing them to find their friends, play with their friends, regardless of what device. I think in the long run that this is good for this industry and maybe in the short run there's some people in some companies that don't love it. But I think as we get over the hump and see where this industry can continue to grow, it proves out to be true. It is not the first time Spencer has hinted that console exclusivity is a thing of the past. But more importantly, says the writer of this, what's Microsoft going to do about Activision Blizzard's troubled legacy of sexual misconduct and harassment allegations? And it just has, we already know about that. So, so that's a thing. And then we have GameSpot which is still writing stuff. I thought they'd axed this blog entirely when they laid off a bunch of people, but um, maybe not. All right, so this is another one about this, the same topic, but probably has something slightly different to say. This one's titled, Xbox's Phil Spencer is feeling good about the Activision Blizzard buyout going through. Microsoft Gaming, oh, this is written by Eddie uh, McCush. Microsoft gaming boss Phil Spencer has commented on the company's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, saying he feels good about the progress that's been made on the deal so far. Speaking to Bloomberg, Spencer said those scrutinizing the deal that he's been dealing with that's a sentence. Scrutinizing the deal that he's been dealing with. I guess that works. Uh, some of whom, quote, aren't as close to the gaming industry are asking, quote, good hard questions about what Microsoft's intent is for seeking to buy Activision Blizzard. And I kind of read part of that. So I guess it's the same quote that went to the other site as well as to Bloomberg. Let's see. Should the deal go through? Skipping ahead here. Uh... Microsoft will not only acquire Call of Duty, Overwatch, Diablo, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, and all other Activision Blizzard franchises, but also all of its developers. Microsoft will t also take on some of Activision Blizzard's reputation, which has been negatively affected of late due to reports of sexism and abuse. Spencer says he believes Activision Blizzard is, quote, committed to improving its reputation. He said this, Spencer said this, when I look at the work that they're doing now, there's always more that can be 
be done. But I believe from studio leaders there that I know very well, some of them former Xbox members, that they're committed to this journey, he said. And I applaud that regardless of the deal. Some teams at Activision Blizzard have sought to form unions. And Spencer says he feels the need to, quote, support the workers in the outcomes that they want to have. Quote, I've never run an organization that has unions in it. But what I can say in working through this is we recognize workers' needs to feel safe and heard and compensated fairly in order to do great work, he said. So there's that. It seems pretty positive so far. And then Insider has one, which is roughly the same title as the others. Xbox Chief says crossplay is the future, but that maybe in the short run there's some people in some companies that don't love it, written by Travis Clark. And it's probably going to be pretty similar. It's a quote from Bloomberg in there. Uh, the thing about if you know your household buys an Xbox and I buy a PlayStation and our kids can't play together, that kind of thing is in there. Some things that aren't in the other articles. Spencer has long been a champion of crossplay, but the main competition, Sony's PlayStation, has hindered those ambitions in the past, including with Fortnite. Sony didn't initially allow PlayStation Fortnite players to play with others who are on different devices, though it eventually enabled crossplay after a month's long standoff. It frustrated Spencer at the time. Quote, I just get stuck in who is this helping, Spencer told Insider, where I'm reading this from, in 2018. Quote, it doesn't help the developer. The developer just wants more people to play their game. It doesn't help the player. The players just want to play with their friends who also play games on console. There's that one. Um, Moving into accessibility type things here, because that's very important, you know, in this world, but also in gaming. There's a thread here from a person going by Mrs. Chief 7 who wrote this thread. Game devs, I am asking nicely, make it an option to turn off flashing slash strobing light effects in your games. It's literally the easiest way to make your game more accessible. Slapping a warning label on a splash screen is not enough. Continued with, I forgot about those cognito hazard orbs in Black Rock Quarry in Control and immediately got a complex migraine from the flashing. I'm lucky it wasn't a seizure, wrote Ms. Chef 7. We need to do better as devs. We had a glitch a year ago that caused light to strobe in every map for some reason. I brought up my concerns to multiple people and was ignored. Thankfully, my team knows I'm photosensitive and warned me when there's a possible trigger, but it shouldn't come to that. We need to systematically think more about accessibility. It needs to start at the root of the company. It needs to be baked into our development pipelines and not an afterthought. And those are some very good points because there are people who can have seizures from flashing lights. And I don't think there are any game devs out there that want to be the company, you know, or known for, have their company known for causing people to get really sick or really harmed by simply not taking out flashing lights. So this person's got a really good, what they're saying is right. It's accurate. It needs to be done better. And I'm hoping gaming companies will pick that up because anything you can do for accessibility is always the right thing to do. It makes more people safer to play your games and to feel welcome into your games and all of this, plus what, what I just read here. There's another shorter thread here from the Wiley side on Twitter who quote tweeted Porter Gage who was writing, uh, who wrote this tweet about a thing in World of Warcraft. Oh wow, I absolutely love this. The leader of the friendly centaur clan uses sign language and has an interpreter with her for communication. I really love the amount of diversity Dragonflight has even just from the first two zones. So the Wily side wrote, I may be 
biased, but Sansak Khan is one of my favorites. My college was 15% deaf and hard of hearing. My minor was in ASL and deaf culture. From the first moment I started working on this zone, I knew I wanted to do my best to make my badass deaf leader. Continues with, we're still honing it in and tweaking and are definitely open to feedback from our deaf players. We are limited in animations, but I have managed to blend some together to give her variation of speech. I hope you all love her. And I think that's awesome that this is now, we now have at least one character who is a deaf character in World of Warcraft that is being represented with an interpreter that can do whatever the uh, type of, whatever you would call the type of sign language used by by a centaur, I guess, right? Um, but it's really neat because we've gotten so used to now when there are press conferences for mayors, governors, uh, people that are in the federal government, it's pretty common to see a sign language interpreter standing next to them. Um, and sometimes that's used in courts too. So I think that's just going to be, again, more accessibility for you know people who need an interpreter and it would be cool if there was more than just one thing but just having a character in there that is using a sign language interpreter just kind of says we welcome you to a group of people that probably haven't really been welcomed very much in video games so i think that's really neat as well the playstation blog has an article about the last of us part one and Instead of talking about the game itself, there's a whole list of accessibility presets you can use if you're going to play this game. And so here's a little description. As with The Last of Us Part 2, many of the accessibility features were built to work in concert with one another. As such, there are three accessibility presets that configure all of the recommended settings for vision, hearing, and motor accessibility. You're free to customize these presets further to better suit your needs. So... Here's the three bigger ones. Apply vision accessibility preset. You can turn it on or off. The description says, configures all of the recommended settings designed for players who are blind or have low vision. This will enable settings across multiple menus, such as screen reader, cinematic descriptions, high contrast display, HUD scale, large, lock on aim, auto target, Traversal and combat audio cues, navigation and traversal assistance, ledge guard, I assume that would let you not fall off the ledges of things because you can't see them, uh, as well as other people might be able to, enhanced listen mode, invisibility toggle, skip puzzle option, and various adjustments in the combat accessibility menu. Then there's apply hearing accessibility preset. You can turn that on or off. Configures all the recommended settings designed for players who are deaf or hard of hearing. This will enable settings across multiple menus such as awareness indicators, pickup notifications, subtitles, uh, story and combat, subtitled names, subtitle direction, and combat vibration cues. And there's one more. Apply motor accessibility preset. You can turn that on or off. Configures all of the recommended settings designed for players with a physical or mobility disability. This will enable settings across multiple menus such as lock on aim auto target, auto weapon swap, auto pickup, camera assist on, navigation and traversal assistance, ledge guard, infinite breath, repeated button presses to hold it, um, menu combos to hold, weapon sway off, skip puzzle option, and various adjustments in the combat accessibility menu. There's also some alternative controls if you want to mess around with other stuff. And this involves like there's one for mapping, I'm guessing a controller possibly, or maybe your keyboard, but 
I'm not sure what this plays on because I haven't played The Last of Us. I don't think it runs on a Mac. That's probably why. And there's a couple of things in here, like there's a control scheme you can use that says default right hand only or left hand only. Custom scheme one, two, three. You can default left, right, up and down. Um, character or camera, you know, this kind of stuff. The character or camera one's pretty interesting. It says change the directional input for movement on ladders. Character movement up, down ladders with left stick is relative to the player's orientation. Camera movement up and down ladders with left stick is relative to the camera's orientation. You can kind of do it either way with that. That's kind of neat. Melee while aiming allows the player to melee with there's a, a square button oh this has got to be a controller is it what they're talking about while aiming this will disable shoulder swap or whichever control is mapped to square while aiming there's also just a whole bunch of other stuff down here that they're you know they're they've got in the game Another whole table here is about magnification and visual aids. These are options to fine-tune the HUD size, color, and contrast to ensure text, UI, and gameplay elements are comfortably visible to view and read. The high-contrast display is a special render mode that provides more contrast for in-game elements. There's also a screen magnifier allowing you to zoom in on any part of the screen using the PS5 DualSense controller's touchpad. And it just goes on and on. There's a motion sickness one. You can reduce or or take away shaky cam, which I hate. It makes me sick every time I watch someone playing a video game with shaky cam on it. And I think some of these other things would really help a lot of players. Like for me personally, I have a neurological disease that can affect my hands and sort of lock my hands up after playing for a while. So having like a button to push that will do it for me seems like a really good thing. And everything with visual disability could possibly help my husband play games because he is legally blind. And, you know, it just opens us up. Like it's just as two examples of people that could benefit from this stuff. There's probably a lot of a lot more people out there that could use this as well. And it's extensive. This list goes on and on and on. And I think that's really cool. There is a website called Women in Gaming. Sorry, Women in Games. Kind of the same thing, but it's Women in Games. It has a W as a logo. And on August 17th, they wrote, Building a Fair Playing Field, the Women in Games Guide is available now. So here's what they're talking about. This is a moment when integrating practical steps in every area to bring about gender equality is not just fair, it is achievable. This is a quote at the top of this. Women in Games has published the second edition of its guide, featuring almost 150 pages of information, inspiration, resources, first-hand accounts, showcases, recommendations, and more. The guide, Building a Fair Playing Field, is available to download for free from their website. And everything I talk about will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com, so you can check it out, download this, read whatever I didn't read you in the articles, or if you just want to read the articles again, they'll be there, as well as all the other stuff I'm going to talk about soon. The guide, researched and authored by Women in Games CEO Marie Claire Isman and Women in Games Education and Research Consultant Sharon Tolani Sage, is for video games, esports, and connected industries of all scales and sizes who are interested in engaging with and advancing gender equality and wider diversity and inclusion, along with policy units and international trade associations. While the guide is very specifically focused on gender, it encompasses wider intersectional issues of inclusivity and diversity and can be used to address them at every level. Why is it important? There is an urgent need for change. 
Women remain significantly underrepresented in the games industries. Well-publicized controversies around dysfunctional working cultures in the games industries add to the urgency for change. Longitudinal research shows abuse and discrimination in online multiplayer games. This is a moment when integrating practical steps in every area to bring about gender equality is not just fair, it is achievable. What is the purpose of the guide? To address persistent wide-scale issues of gender inequality, to highlight the role of leadership in achieving fairness, to provide inspiration for companies and individuals across geographical boundaries, to encourage and enable change, to share knowledge and showcase existing positive initiatives, to galvanize action. And there's more in here, uh, some quotes from some of the people that were writing it. There is an English version, and they're going to translate the guide into multiple other languages. There's also an audio book being created to provide more accessibility and a podcast series and master classes will be launched later in 2022 so that's kind of cool there's some quotes from the people in charge and so that's what that is so if you are part of a group that's in gaming uh, whether it's just a small group of friends or if it's something you're trying to grow like a lot of people are doing like live action ttrpgs on twitch and on youtube and wherever else and if you really want to have like a really robust thing that says hey we would like women in in our games you know here's what we're going to do this guide might be helpful for that it doesn't say specifically anything about you know i'd have to look it up because it's like 150 pages i think is what they said something like that so um sometimes when you have something that is for women they will mention and non-binary people and then that's the last you hear of it (laughs) so um (laughs) I'm always hesitant to be like, okay, what is this exactly? But if they're looking for like cisgendered women or cisgendered women and trans women, that's cool. I don't know. But if you want to check out more, you can download the thing. Here's another thing from uh, Blizzard from World of Warcraft. And they wrote this, uh, Grayton, a WoW developer, wrote this on the Blizzard forums on August 22nd. He wrote this, well, Grayton, I don't know if that's, I don't know the gender of this person, so I'm going to say they wrote this. Hello, Dragon Riders. With today's update to the alpha, we've made a few changes that deserve their own callouts. We've updated the double jump launch and Skyward Ascent to both be more reliable in their directionality and movement. We've retuned the turn rate for Dragon Isle Drakes to be more lenient, including a feature wherein the player's turn rate scales with speed, lower speeds feature quicker turns, while top speeds still come with a need for slightly more planning. We've made some updates to the dragon riding trait window, building the zone, unlocks, and basic skills into the same pane as the unlockable traits for dragon riding. We discovered early in the alpha that we'd need a solution for players who rely on slash follow or similar features to engage with World of Warcraft, as following wasn't immediately compatible with dragon riding. To address this, we've added ride along, Dragon riders can speak with Lithragosa, the dragon riding trainer, to opt into this new functionality. With Ride Along on, a player in your party may interact with your Dragon Isle Drake to transform into a whelp that will follow alongside your Drake. If you are someone who has relied on slash follow or have other players help guide you around Azeroth or find Ride Along to be an interesting accessibility option for other reasons, please try this feature out and share your feedback with us. Thank you for all your continued feedback and 
discussion. Me personally, I don't play. I haven't played Warcraft in a while. But when I did, if I was playing with a friend who you know knew the area we were in better than I did, I would definitely you know do the slash follow thing because it was a lot easier for me than to try to maneuver around objects as we're playing, especially if we played for a while and my hands are killing me. So I think this is really cool that a lot of you know Blizzard is really thinking about this stuff for more accessibility and. I think that's fantastic. Going into more Diablo-related things, we have episode three of the Diablo podcast, and it was released on, I think they're talking about Diablo 4. Uh, what day was this released? August 26th, so that's today as I'm recording this. And so that's the third episode. They seem to be pretty consistent. I have not had time to listen to these, but it's definitely something I'm going to do as soon as I get out of this month of August where things have just been hectic as all as all get out it just never ends well it will at the end of august so i will be listening to those and catching up as soon as i can it seems interesting it really does so i will definitely let you know about that whenever a new episode of those pop up or if other diablo podcasts pop up a new episode i'll tell you about those as well Diablo Immortal posted on the Twitter account for it about the Hungering Moon event. It's August 26 through 29. I think this is one that sort of re-ups every so often. I've never been able to finish it because I've been really busy this month. <laughs> and um, I know it's not really an excuse. It's just reality. So that starts today, the 26th, if you want to jump into that, if you're still playing. They also have a Codex update, and that one is featuring... The Tomb of Fahir and Kirkuris Rapids. I've done the Tomb of Fahir as like a solo dungeon kind of thing, unless it's something different with this. But if I get in there, I'll give it a try and see how that goes. And of course, the bigger news this week is that Season 27 is live right now. It started on August 26th at 5 p.m. PDT, CEST, and KST. There's a whole guide here, which I think I talked about before. It was originally posted on August 15th. And so it's got all this stuff in here with, like I mentioned, the Corvus Cadaverous Pet, which is like this sort of zombie dog kind of thing that has grabbed an arm from some unfortunate soul that is still holding a bloodied sword and taking it off like a prize you know like this is mine it's like all the gruesomeness of zombie dog but all the dog in there as well you know it's just kind of interesting and the class sets i think i went over last time i'm going to be playing a monk again because i just want to and that one's rainman of a thousand storms i'm gonna try harder to put more effort into season 27 it's 26 just got away from me somehow and i'm gonna try to do better so if you need to know about all this stuff, there's a thing in here where it says that the drop rate of angel angelic crucibles has been doubled because people asked about it. There's a lot of other stuff if you want to go look at in detail about each individual class. Some of you already have already started playing by the time you hear this, but if you haven't, there's definitely resources out there. And every time there is a brand new start to a season, Wolfcrier has an event called Save the Children in which it's you know, level with the cause and you level your Diablo character in the new season with, you know, you're just yourself or with a group of people and the money goes towards the save the children charity. It is, um, it, it's a cause that's been promoted by Wolf Cryer and several other people that go ahead and do level with the cause. So if you're watching someone stream Diablo, you know, today, tomorrow, 
you know, it's going to happen. It's a weekend thing. So it's 26th of August, 27, 28. And, you know, if you're uh, able to donate some money to the streamer or to the cause, that would help out kids that are sick. And I think that's a good thing. He's been running this for a very long time. And I think I, I know this is a, such a good thing. And I love that every year there's more people that seem to want to do this that are streamers that are comfortable with streaming to begin with. So it's really cool. The Save the Children Foundation is an international humanitarian organization that has been protecting children around the world for more than 100 years so this it's a really good thing so you should go if you if you've got some extra money you can give then you should do that if you can't do it just you know be there in the stream and that'll help support the streamer at least a little bit echo hack did a video on twitch it's i don't know how long it is exactly and uh i'm not really sure if he's still running it or not it looks like I'm very confused with Twitch in general sometimes. So uh, it's called Season 27 Race Start Demon Hunter YouTube Build T and Specs. So um, he's part of Max Roll, and I bet the video will be pretty interesting to watch. So that's there. Again, you can check it all out. I think it says it's live right now, which obviously I can't watch it while I'm doing a show, but I'll try to pop in there later. Max Roll has a whole bunch of guides for Season 27 and and everything else really and so for season 27 there is a list um who wrote this one maybe it was a group effort here so season 27 solo tier list and there's they've ranked you know the the quality of the builds as to what would be good for you for each of the classes it's a lot of stuff in there so if you know what class you're going to play you can just check that out and you can follow them on Twitter. They're on Twitter. They've been on Twitter for quite some time. There's a video by Riker called Top 10 Best Builds for Diablo 3 Season 27. All classes, tier list 2.7.4. It's a YouTube video. There's another video from uh, Big Daddy Den, Anthony Evans. And his is called Season 27 LOD Hoda Whirlwind Solo Push Barbarian Guide Diablo 3 2.7.4. There's another video also from the same guy, uh, Witch Doctor Season 27 Arakir Haunting Corpse Spiders Greater Speeds Solo Build 2.7.4 Diablo 3. And... Xantarax has a couple of guides for the challenge rifts and they were done of course before the season started where you could practice and you just don't finish it before the season started but right now as we're, I'm recording this uh, the season started so you can just jump in and do that so there's a North American one and there's an EU one and the North American one is interesting because it is a sorcerer but uh, they're using the uh, is it the Phoenix set? I think I'm not going to get this name right, but you probably know what I mean. And what happens typically is Blizzard finds a set that they think is interesting that some character, you know, an actual player put together and they use that and say, here, use this set and go into the challenge rift. But with this one, it didn't have teleport as part of its skills and it didn't have like a fire skill for firebirds. So it's a bit of a challenge and you can watch Rex Antarax go through that and explain exactly what you should do with that one. And then there's the EU one, which he said is extremely difficult um, for a number of reasons. And one of the things he starts off talking about and then showing you is that if you go in, uh, it's also a sorcerer, I 
think, and because they're throwing like ice orbs, so I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's a sorcerer from memory. You're going to go in, you're going to have all this, this huge mob around you, and uh, you're going to die, and then when you die, you can get closer to the conduit pylon that's there, and that will help you get through, which seems inefficient and kind of difficult. He noted that when he was starting this, there were only three people on the leaderboard because it was that tough, and he did send information to Blizzard to say, hey, this is really too tough, can you fix this? Hopefully they've fixed it. I have no idea. And Leviathan, who's now working for Blizzard, he made a video called How to Beat Wizard Challenge Rift Season 27 Starter Guide Americas. And he always does such great stuff with that. So I think that's cool. Again, I'm not playing Wizard this season. I'm probably going to stick with the Monk for a while just because I'm having fun with it. And so, But if you're going to play the Wizard, there's a, there's a plethora of information out there on how to get through the Challenge Rifts for that one. This is all that I was able to dig up for this episode because as I said, I've been super busy with work stuff, with uh, chronic illness stuff, with um, TTRPG stuff. I've been playing with friends online and, you know, sometimes this is enough for a show. And I'm certain that some of you maybe listen to podcasts while you're, you know, trying to level up in a new season. Maybe you'll hear this. Maybe some of it will be useful to you. And that's where I'm going to end the show for today. You have been listening to episode 374 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in-game community and clan in Diablo 3 are both named Shattered Soulstone and are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soulstone website website. Thank you for listening. Fix slash upgrade ranch internet slash network and hunt pigs. What? what? This, is an, this is the headline of a gig uh, listing on Craigslist. <laughs> what? <I have> <laughs> I have a 1,000-acre ranch in the Salinas Valley with great wild pig hunting. I also have a network-wired P2P Wi-Fi uh, between all the ranch buildings along with video, weather, station, Wi-Fi, hotspots, etc. I'd like to get some regular, reliable help uh, with for maintenance and upgrades. Specifically, I'd like to replace the P2P Internet used by the ranch currently with Starlink system. I recently acquired that currently just supports the house only. Happy to pay a fair price. Perhaps throw in a pig hunt for your trouble. Any network techs that like to hunt out there? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay.